Hey, if you're loving the show, make sure you become a patron. For as little as $2 a month, you can get episodes where you can't get anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash the Amelia Fortes. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Courageous Self-Love, the official podcast for the self-love revolution happening right here, right now. I'm your host, Amelia Fortes, and today's episode is an episode that I have been so excited to record, and I'm so passionate about talking about this topic, and it's all about self-love and sex and healing through talking about shared experiences and stories. And the reason why this is so important is because I just feel there are way too many cultures out there that have such a fractured, let's call it, relationship with sex and sexuality, and it makes no sense logically. I mean, our bodies were built for pleasure. We were made to procreate and to to have a good time and pleasure ourselves and enjoy this thing called life. So I know I've had a lot of healing from just simply talking about sex. And I also know that there is nothing more healing than just having two girlfriends gabbing about sex, honestly, openly, and authentically. So I invited someone very special. We've become fast friends. Her name is Esmeralda Cifuentes King, and she is a 27-year-old San Diego native, and she just moved to London. So we are recording today from across the pond. So exciting. She's a very proud stripper of four years, and it's her life mission to live unapologetically through self-expression via performance and female empowerment. And we're here to talk about self-love, sex positivity, sexual liberation, all of that good stuff. I'm so happy you're here, Esme. Thank you so much for coming. Hi. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting. (laughs) It's so, so exciting. And I, I just really love the fact that we're just talking from almost across the world. So I love technology and social media. People get a lot of, give a lot of shit to social media, but you and I actually connected because of social media. So lots of good things. Yeah, I love it. I've been able to connect with so many, mostly females from around the world who I've never met, but through Instagram, we're like each other's biggest cheerleaders. So I love it. Me too. Me too. And so what, I mean, there's so many reasons to be so excited to talk to you today. And one of the biggest ones was, you know, when we connected talking about the episode, I was really empowered and inspired by your story, like where you come from in terms of sexuality and your upbringing, and then where you are today. I mean, you just just from following you and being connected to you, I have come more alive in my body and just more unapologetic about my self-expression. So you're just such a wonderful inspiration to really live life unapologetically. Then when I got to know you and hear about where you came from, I was just even more impressed of like this before and after, so to speak. Tell us about like, what was your upbringing like, especially specifically with regards to sex and sexuality and how did that affect you? So I do have quite an interesting story. When I tell people, they get so shocked. But first, Mm. I just wanted to say, I'm so excited that 
you know, out of all the amazing topics you have that like, I get chosen for the sex topic. (laughs) I've come such a far, far journey in my life. And to know that I can be seen or considered uh, somebody that can speak positively about this topic means so much to me. It, um, it kind of almost like validates the journey that I've had without really seeing it myself. So I'm just really grateful. And I think it's, it's really amazing. Thank you. My background. Thank you. (laughs) Um, My background is a little interesting. So I'm Latina. My parents are Colombian and Mexican, but we grew up in San Diego, but my parents are Mormon. So I grew up Mormon 18 years of my life. And for those of you that don't really know what that is, it's, it's a, a Christian religion, but it's very, very strict. Mm-hmm. You know, and then on top of that, growing up Hispanic, there's also a lot of cultural uh, subliminal messages and kind of traditions that you just grow up with. And then obviously being in some sort of my experience growing up in a religious home uh, and through this religion was very misogynistic, very shameful, just a lot of really traumatic experiences I can remember of, but not being able to validate that they were traumatic or, or strange until I got older, just, you know, older men telling me all the time, like, like, oh, your skirt's too short. You know, you can't give that impression away. Uh, You're saving yourself for marriage. I feel like we hear that so often. It's kind of normalized, but like, that's really such a strange concept. And I never heard them say that to the men or to the boys, you know, like, why am I saving myself for this? And and there's just so many really strange messages that I got mm-hmm. um, as a young girl that I just, I, it felt wrong, but I didn't understand that there was another option until right. I got older. So um, when I got older and I was about 18, I just, I felt, had this like internal feeling like I need to, I need to figure like, what is going on? What, what do I really believe? And so I decided, uh, I woke up one day and I told my best friend, uh, I was like, Julie, hey, I'm giving her a shout out. Um, I was like, hey, Julie. I was like, Julie, I need to go. I need to get out of this house. Um, But I want to see if this religion really is for me because it was the only thing I knew. And of course, when you grow up, like, you know, you believe everything your parents tell you. Mm-hmm. So I decided to move to Salt Lake City where, you know, it's the capital of uh, the LDS church. And mm-hmm. I moved there and quickly, within a couple of days, uh, I had to go to an interview with my, the new bishop, you know, interview and figure out like where I am in life, who I am. And I just remember he was asking me these really personal questions and I'm 18 and he's asking me, what have been your sexual experiences and was there women involved? Was there petting, you know, under the clothing, over the clothing, like me confessing my, my, my sexual sins, but just my sexual experiences that are personal to myself. And I felt I had to tell this stranger, six, 60 year old man. And he's writing everything down on a cue card. You know, it's just, it felt so uh, violating. And for him, it was just like procedure, you know, and right. from a very young age, I've known that many, m- most of the predators in my life have been older men. And so mm. it was just, it really triggered a lot of things. I also came from a background of a lot of sexual abuse from mostly family men and women, and then strangers. And as I got older, ended up being close friends that I trusted. 
so that was just really triggering. And I just had a moment of, well, then he told me, okay, thank you all for that information. I just have to pray about this and ask God if you're going to be excommunicated from this oh. church. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and at that point I had, I had lost my virginity to my first boyfriend and I, you know, that was it. And like, mm-hmm. what a sweet thing to do that. And he just, he was like threatening me. And so I remember I walked out of that office that day and I thought, never again, this is not for me. This is not my place. Yeah. This, this is not, not my place. place. And this is not, a, it's not a place of, of growth and of yeah. experience and guidance. And so I really went into this other direction and just uh, realized I'm doing this my own. And yeah. through, through many of my experiences of, of sexual abuse, really really damaging to me for a long time. Of course, it's something that changes you and you end up deciding what you know, what you do with that. And I went to to many rehabs for depression. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how to deal with the PTSD, with the, the depression, the trauma that it brought to me. And yeah. I went to several different places for a couple of years, maybe like five years. I kept kind of going in and out of places, but I got the necessary therapy that I needed. Yeah. to really like push me forward into this positive place where I got to work on those things, better understand myself, separate myself from those experiences, which is really empowering. Right. And just get myself to a, to a healthier place. Of course, that, that kind of work never ends. Yeah. I just want to pause there because I definitely want to talk about how you kind of made the switch. And uh-huh. You shared so much gold right here. So number one, Mm -hmm. I just want to honor you for, it's a testament to the growth that you've had and the work that you've done for yourself that you're able to share such vulnerable things really powerfully. So that's number one, like badass. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome. And number two, I think a lot of people, and to those of you listening, you know, whether or not you relate directly to everything we're saying here, it's like, I'm sure some of this speaks to you. Like, so I think the common thing here is we are raised a certain way and we're taught certain things about sex and sexuality in literally like millions of different ways. So yeah. it can be like our religion. In your case, you also mentioned it was a little bit cultural you know, like Colombian and Mexican culture, mm-hmm. plus the LDS culture, uh, but then also just misogynistic patriarchal culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of these things. And, and what I think is common is like little girls and young women, you can kind of feel, may, maybe you don't know, because like you said, it's all you ever knew. It's your parents. You yeah. Like, we believe everything they say, right? But we, we do feel those like offenses to our body, essentially. Like when, yeah. when you're being told your skirt's too short or you're saving yourself for marriage, but you, you see that boys aren't being told that. It actually reminds me there's a meme out there where it shows a boy or, or a man ra- rather in a, like a polo and like he has like one of the buttons unbuttoned and it shows someone like <laughs> telling him like, you might want to button that. You don't want to give the wrong impression. I, yeah, I know exactly the one you're talking yeah. about. I just, I think I'm, I'm sure I reposted it the other day. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was from you. Yeah. So I've, yeah, so it was just like, it's, it's just, that illustrates so much how it's, it's just skewed. And then also this, the trauma of having to divulge your 
very private sexual experiences with a you know essential stranger much much older man like kind of writing it down on a card and like I didn't always believe this because again I was also brought up a certain way as well but it's like I believe now like sex is supposed to be such an like an innocent exploration and it, it needs to be cultivated just like how we cultivate a child learning how to crawl and how to stand and how to walk. It should be the same with sex. Unfortunately, there's a lot of ways that we cut that off. And that's just, that's not even talking about abuse that happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you add abuse to that, that like exacerbates everything. Plus, I also believe, and I'm curious if you agree with this, I believe it's because of our culture's really unhealthy relationship with sex that actually is a breeding ground for more of these abusive things to happen. Because it's like, oh, yeah, of course. Right? Like people don't have a healthy outlet for these sexual, natural sexual desires. And so it ends up like slipping out in all these terrible ways. Yeah, absolutely. Because we don't have a healthy way to talk about it. Yeah, I, I just, I really wanted to like pause on those things. And especially to those of you listening, there are so many ways that you were taught unhealthy things about sex. Oh, um, yeah. I'm, even yeah. just like, even just not talking about it at all is, oh, is an mm-hmm. awful way about talking about sex. Because I, can, I can't even count how many of my friends or strangers or you know people on the internet that I've discussed things with that have mentioned and said I learned from sex from porn because mm-hmm. nobody t- nobody talked to me about it my school didn't offer sex ed classes and if they did it was very one-sided mm-hmm. telling you uh, you'll die if you have an abortion you know all these really awful things and like I started watching porn from a young age because I thought that like my vulva and my vagina looked weird and I couldn't Ooh. talk to anybody about it. I was too shy to talk to my girlfriends about it. My, my parents, no way. Yeah. So I had to go online. Mm. And then, of course, the only, the, mostly the example I saw was, you know, this one image of what it's supposed to look like. So and there it's was very, like, we're searching. Yeah. We're all searching for the information. Mm-hmm. And there's really not that, there's not that much accessible that's healthy, that's two-sided, that's not misogynistic, that's comforting and gentle and educational you just don't really have that i mean now because of yeah. the internet it's it's a little more accessible but i feel but like even you don't, that, you don't our culture understand. still has a long way to go in terms yeah. oh, of definitely. like a healthy relationship with it so even though there is the internet it's still like it's conver- i believe it's really conversations like this that can yeah and you definitely the healing yeah i mean that's what's helped me Thank you so much for even bringing into the space about even not talking about it is yeah. detrimental. And that actually kind of dovetails into my experience. So I, I'm Filipino-American, both of my parents, Filipino immigrants, and I was raised Catholic. Generally speaking, it's like, have sex, you're a slut. Like, it's just a general, oh, yeah, there's definitely. so much guilt around sex and your body. And I mean, just Christianity in general, my beef with Christianity is the real absence of female like really healthy female figures that we can look up to so Mm -hmm. it's like essentially the feminine is erased save mother mary for Catholicism. so there's there's nothing there and um we didn't not talk about it like i didn't 
I don't even remember having a birds and the bees talk. So I never had the talk. I actually, I'm the youngest of five children and I'm much, much younger. So the next youngest person than me is 11 years older. So even as a child, everyone's like, you know, early 20s and up, right? And so I just remember like everyone wants to watch rated R movies. And so what do they do? They just cover my eyes, but like, I can still hear the moaning. I can, mm-hmm. I, I, and of course I peeked through, you know, yeah. and I was like, what's going on? So really all I had to learn from was from either kind of accidentally walking in or overhearing my older siblings, like making out or even having sex or the little bit that you see on a rated R movie. I didn't really have access to porn when I was younger, nor did I have the understanding that that's something I could look for. I wasn't, again, I was very like sheltered in that way. And even though it wasn't said explicitly, it was like, I just had this general feeling like we do not talk about sex. We don't ask about it. We don't wonder about it. We're not curious about it. Um, I remember the first, oh my gosh, I'm going to, Actually, we can even share stories like this. The other thing that was traumatizing for me, though, was I was a a late bloomer, and a lot of my girlfriends got their periods and breasts and started developing much sooner, and then also being sexually active much sooner. And I was just, like, not there at all. So it was also traumatizing to just kind of be around these sexually active, you know, like 12 and 13-year-olds where I'm still feeling... I still felt very much like a nine-year-old in my body, you know, and just hearing Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, so-and-so did this to me and we did all these things. And I'm just kind of like, am I supposed to want to do that? Like, I'm curious, but I don't know what to say. I was watching this movie, Fear. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Mm -hmm. but it's Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg. So they're very young. They're like in, I believe, high school. And anyway, there's a scene where he fingers her on a roller coaster. (laughs) <laughs> that's hot <laughs> it, it, no, it was a very hot scene okay that's hot. <laughs> so I was watching yeah I was watching and she like so he's fingering her like and he has his hands moving in her skirt and she's all like oh and, you know having all these reactions and while they're going up and down the roller coaster and my girlfriends who were more sexually active than me and more experienced they were like oh my god that's so hot and for me, I was very like, I don't even know what he's doing. <laughs> like, I didn't, I just didn't know. I was like, what's he doing in there? Like, making her just like over your head. Like this. And I remember, and I, this is the first time I'm actually even sharing this and yay on a podcast for everyone to hear. I remember after seeing that movie and my girlfriends go home, I remember just totally like feeling around because I'm like, what was he doing? So I was just like, I was like, yeah, I was just trying to be like, like, I want to moan like that. Like what, what was he doing that was getting her to react like that? Like that's what I want to know. She looked like she was having a really good time. Yeah. Like she was having a blast. I was just like feeling around and then like, it was the first, so it was the first time ever that I even found like my vagina right with my hands, you know, and just kind of being like, okay. And I had, I had learned the mechanics like in third grade or fifth grade, whenever they teach it, but they don't teach you how to like, your female pleasure and like how to oh no not at all and stuff so I'm there and I was like and the girls did tell me they're like oh he's fingering her so he's like sticking his finger so I'm over here like sticking my finger around and I'm just kind of like I don't know this doesn't seem that exciting to me (laughs) (laughs) well you're not on a roller coaster yeah I was like and plus yeah and so I just was kind of like whatever I'm broken I don't get it and like oh no 
And I think I carried that like for a long time. And I, I don't know when I actually started to get more educated, but it probably was way too long. And yeah, so probably. it's just, that's just an illustration though. It just goes to show like, we can't be learning from these movies. Like there needs mm-hmm. to be an empowering way to teach, especially women, but just a proper way to teach boys and girls mm-hmm. about pleasure and about sex and all of those things. Yeah. I think, um, going on again about just like social media, I've had people reach out to me, like kind of for the same reason why you reached out to me to do this podcast. And like, I wish I had that accessibility to kind of see these really cool women taking that, that part of them back, Mm -hmm. you know, that part of like my body, my pleasure. I decide what I do with it. I decided to teach myself or I just said, educate myself. I decided to abstain from it because that's my choice, whatever it is, but yeah. really like impact, like take that and, and really roll with it. And i never, I never had that when I was younger. And I have found that now since like social media exploded and, and I really clung on to those women that I, I admired that in them. I could see it, I could feel it and it gave them power. And so I I want I wanted to be that. So that's why I'm very vocal about my experiences. Yeah, I'm just so vocal about my experiences and you know what I've learned or what I'm doing or like hey I like masturbation is cool or like you know whatever mm-hmm. it is. I'm just really open because someone Helps might relate me. to it. Yeah, you know, it's helped yeah. me. So I yeah. just want to do the same thing back. So I don't care if people think I'm outrageous or whatever. Like I couldn't give a shit as long as someone else is like, oh, maybe I'll try that. Or that's really cool. Or, you know, maybe I'm going to take a, a naked selfie because it makes me feel good. Like all the power to you. Well, I, I think you said something really important too, though. And so I, I wanted to pull it out because um, you mentioned being inspired by other women who were able to take their power back. And what I think you meant and let me know if I'm right, is like mm-hmm. the power over the choice. Because you said yeah. whether you want to have a lot of sex, whether you, or even abstaining can be a powerful choice. Yeah. Or whether you want to take a naked selfie or you want to dance or you want to show off your ass or you don't. And yeah. so that's what I heard. And I think it's really important for that to, to pull that out because the whole point is, you know, especially based on what you shared with your experience and even with my experience, it's like the power was taken away because we were inundated with images of this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have a longer skirt, close your legs, save yourself for marriage. Don't make men think you're quote unquote like that, whatever the hell that means, right? Yeah. So there's all these um, messages telling us what we should think and how we should act And I think what you're saying is so important. It's like, no, you take that power back. Only you get to decide what you think and how you should act. And if it is abstaining, then great. But if it is having great, amazing sex, then great. But whatever your choice. I think abstaining is a very powerful, very, very powerful, not concept, but something to do as well, because it means you have boundaries Mm -hmm. and it means that you understand those boundaries and Sometimes having a lot of sex, you, uh, like for me, like going through my sexual exploration, I went through a period where I didn't know how to say no. And so I had sex with people that I didn't want to, Mm -hmm. and you know, it led to some bad situations, but I wish I had known, I wish I had known. I also had the right to say no. 
And so abstaining is just as important as being able to say, yeah, you know what? I want to, I want to interact and, and involve myself in the sexual actor. I want to experience this. It's just as important to say no, whether that's no for years, no for one person, no today, but yes tomorrow or, or yes or no, today, five no tomorrow. Or yes, five yeah. minutes ago, but no right now. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's just as important because it means you have boundaries and whether you're active or you're not, boundaries is, is really the most important thing when it comes to sex, I think. Yeah. And, and having healthy boundaries and clear boundaries is also very yeah. sexy. You know, you yeah. can kind of like play with those boundaries. And I love too that you brought into that, that there was a period where you didn't know how to say no. And I think that partially speaks to, and I relate to that, but it partially speaks to maybe even some of the cultural stuff. Cause it's, it's so weird. We're, we're taught sex is wrong. Sex is bad. Or don't do this. Don't do that. But at the same time, especially women are so hypersexualized. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just like? Isn't that just crazy? Yeah. Isn't that a conundrum? Um, yeah. And so I think for similarly for me, I didn't know that I could say no because I wanted to be desired and wanted, mm-hmm. and I thought that I had to like oblige especially because media, especially in like Hollywood media, like movies and TV shows, it's like, it's the hot girl with like tits and ass hanging out that gets all the praise and all the attention. At least for me growing up, I grew up in the nineties. So not, I always say, look back at nineties teen movies and I know exactly why I was all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> not only no wonder it wasn't how I look, but like just from a sex perspective, like, are you kidding me? There's a reason why I wasn't allowed to watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I do, I did definitely want to touch back into the journey of getting there and making the switch. For me, I believe it, it is a journey, especially when our culture is so undereducated or not as empowered around sex as it could be. But I would love to hear some of your, like, some specific things that helped you kind of start to make that switch because you made quite a switch and it really, again, I, it's, it's really inspirational and I'm, I'm glad that it also feeds your soul to be inspirational in that way. Cause it's like, Oh, I can grow up in this environment and still somehow make the switch and be really sex positive and body positive and empowered. So you mentioned yeah. like rehab and therapy, but uh, you know, are there some specific before and after moments or tools that really helped you? After I moved from Salt Lake City, then I kind of went on this crazy period in my life mm-hmm. where I was very mentally unhealthy. But I didn't know I was really causing just kind of chaos, living in chaos. Mm-hmm. And just, I didn't know what was up, what was down. I was just kind of surviving. I started partying a lot. And um, coming back to what we're talking about and not being able to say no because of my past like sexual traumas this like complex where I couldn't say no because the, I didn't want to make the other person uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. their, what they wanted was more important than, than my boundaries. Mm-hmm. So that, that played into a lot and caused a lot more trauma in that area. And it got to a couple points where I just reached out to my mom and I was like, I need help. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was really suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to commit suicide several times. Mm-hmm. And, um, I went to rehab a couple of times when I was like 21 
meaning like I would went, I went to one place for like a month and it was like just all therapy was, which is why I wanted to go. And then I did that a couple of times. And then I think when I was 25, that was like the major shift for me. Mm-hmm. And I felt all of a sudden I felt validation in, in how my trauma manifested itself in me and, and my choices. And yeah. it kind of, it, it made me realize like, okay, this is why I do this. And this is why I do this. And right. it was, it was life changing for me. It saved my life. Yeah. And then I came out and I just decided, so ever since I was really young, I've always loved to dance. That's just always been my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, dancing and performing. And it means so much that even I remember one of my dance teachers when I was younger, I must've been like 16. She even stopped me and she was like, Hey, Esme, can you help me choreograph a sexy dance for my husband? Because I just don't, mm. <laughs> I don't know. How- I, I don't know how to be sexy. So I was always kind of looked to for that, which it was just part of me. And yeah, so natural for you. Yeah, it was very natural for me. And it was empowering for me. It felt good. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what the word empowerment meant until uh, maybe a couple years ago, but it was. And so I decided to go audition to strip. Mm-hmm. And I had always been fascinated with stripping culture. Well, just strip, you know, strippers, you know, you saw yeah. them in movies. I saw the performance. They looked powerful. They were sexy. They were in control. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I've always wanted to do it. Why not? And I auditioned. And then I kind of had this aha moment. I was like, why didn't I wait so long to do this? You're like, this, this is like, amazing. <laughs> yeah, this is like my calling, basically. And so, um, so that kind of started me on, on my journey being a dancer. And mm-hmm. dancing has given me everything Mm. that that everything has given me healing has given me self-worth has has made me recognize my self-worth um my the time the value of my time right um sisterhood Mm. uh feminism Mm. it's it's given me financial um power like Mm -hmm. it's given me so many amazing things that I have so much gratitude towards it and it's given me a lot of self-love and mm -hmm. body positivity and you know it I love that that term and I never really it never really resonated with me until I thought about it which was recently that no the term where it's like some people um nudity empowers some modesty empowers others Oh, and uh-huh. I noticed that because even though I'm very kind of outlandish, I still get shy, you know, sometimes about my body. I feel everybody kind of does at some moments. Mm-hmm. And it has, stripping has made me so comfortable in my skin. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, I look at my body differently. I, I appreciate it more. I appreciate my, my curves. I'm definitely more forgiving and accepting of myself when I gain 10 pounds. Mm. Or I lose five pounds and I look at myself and I don't think I need to lose 10 pounds. I just think, you know, I gained a little weight. I've been eating really good food lately. And so if anything, I just want to be more flexible or I just right. like to build up my endurance, but it's not this place. It doesn't come from like this place like of self-hatred. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, I need to lose 10 pounds because I don't look good in my lingerie or, yeah. or just in my daily outfit. Like it, it's really just, it's helped me so much. I, I couldn't even begin to explain. 
That's and it's, so um, inspiring. I, I just, I definitely, I'm so, what's the word? Um, <laughs> spell, spellbound by you. I, I think I, I'm on board with you. And I also know culturally, like a lot of people might be listening and be like, what the fuck? So <laughs> I, I, I'm on board with all this. And like, what I want to hear that, like, what do you, what do you have to say to that? I mean, not that you have anything to prove to anyone that's like, yeah. what the fuck? How can we, anyone listening, open their mind and heart more to like what you're saying? Because what you're saying is totally the opposite of what anyone yeah. outside looking in yeah. would think. Yeah, I, and I totally understand that. And that's why I'm so vocal about me being a dancer because right. you know all the stigmas yeah. all the stigmas mm-hmm. which I grew up with and I found myself I had to pull back as well during my my journey being a dancer as well it's ingrained in us you know it's it's our our job or responsibility to peel them back and in question wh- why we think those things mm-hmm. but I think in in one way specifically like how it how is can all these amazing things happen from something like this is and I think it comes back to what I said earlier about boundaries. Mm-hmm. Stripping has taught me boundaries when yeah. everything else in my life never taught me. And yeah. like religion didn't teach me healthy boundaries with myself, with strangers, with my family. Mm-hmm. My family didn't teach me those. Right. You know, like society didn't teach me those. Other jobs didn't teach me those. I've I've been taken advantage of I've been sexually harassed by every manager in, in any other job I've had. I've been yeah. sexually abused by family members. And when I told my family, they told me I was lying. They didn't protect mm. me. Yeah. You know, like yeah. religion was just very, a scary place for me. Stripping gives you lessons. Right. And it taught me, I decide what I want to do with my body. I decide if I want to speak to somebody. I decide if I want to work. I decide if I want to sit in the back. I, I decide yeah. what I want to do with myself. And it, it's, it's a place where you have to learn those things very quickly. Yeah. And so it was, it was the best teacher for me. And all of those, just that main concept of, of boundaries has helped me in every aspect of my life now. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, I walk down the street and somebody says something to me or something, I, I feel I, I have the... This the power now to st- this, this power and the strength to stand up for myself. You know, when people attack me on the internet, I uh, I, I have the boundaries to say I'm not going to take that, or I'm not going to give like spend the emotional labor to yeah. argue with you. You know, that's my boundary. I don't let you speak to me. That you know, or I even Can I tell you one of my something- favorite moments that you actually shared online. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, that I talk about <laughs> um, yeah, to myself mostly, but definitely <laughs> it comes up in conversation. There's so much in here, and it's so juicy and lovely. And oh my gosh, I just I just love you so much. Um, <laughs> <You're> so <sweet. laughs> the the one of my favorite things was I think you posted there's there's like a guy that was like harassing you for nudes. He was like yeah, sending yeah. nudes, and you were just like, I don't do that. And if you want nudes, you can pay for someone who will sell sell them to you or something like that. I mean, you said it way better, but uh, you know, and for me, I, one of my other friends and guests, we talked about self-love and friendship and we talked a lot about sisterhood. Her name is Grace. 
from episode five, I think it was, or four. Hey, Grace. Hey, Grace. Grace. (laughs) Um, But she's a model too. And she, like, she helps kind of teach me a lot about that stuff too, just from me watching her and just from talking to her and having these boundaries. And I think it's, it's so interesting because our culture, like, vilifies that. But it's like, there's such a demand for the feminine form. And yeah. so it's like, why shouldn't we get paid for that stuff? But yeah. then our culture demonizes it as like, oh, that's slutty or you're a whore or whatever. It, it just says all these terrible things about that. But I, there's so many things I love about your response to that guy because it, it's, it was such a normalization of it. It's almost as if you were like, oh, you want legal advice? Go talk to a lawyer and pay them yeah. for their hour. You know, so it's like, oh, you want nudes? You want to look at some titties? You want, you know, go pay a woman who sells her nudes. Yeah. It's like, it just normalizes it. And I think our culture wants to unconsciously and consciously wants to rip that power away from us, but we Mm -hmm. absolutely have power over it. And I feel like people are vilified for, you know, doing webcam work or porn or nude modeling and all this stuff. But it's, it's just, there's a supply and a demand. It's a business like anything else. (laughs) You know, I completely agree with you. And just like to make an interesting note. So Mm -hmm. um, Utah is 60% Mormon and, you know, so it's Christian. There's absolutely no porn you know, even you abstain from sex, even when you're married, there's, you can't do oral. There's all these like specific rules. Oh, and wow. yet, and, and obviously, you know, it's a very homophobic religion. If you come out as, as, um, uh, homosexual, they give you like paperwork and, and stuff and pamphlets to reverse you. And yet and conversion therapy you, and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet Utah has the highest rates of, uh, viewing porn in the country. You know, so it's like, it's just, you know, it's, it's so normal and normalized and not normalizing sex is a lot, such a safer, would be such a safer world. It really would be because it it doesn't have to, I, I do a lot of shadow, like working with the shadows and culturally sex is definitely something that is collectively placed into shadow. And when Mm -hmm. something is placed into shadow, it means we disown it, we reject it, we try to deny that it's a part of us, but it's very much a part of us. And when we deny it, it comes out sideways in like, you know, these super strict religions, which coincidentally, quote unquote, not coincidentally, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the (laughs) highest rate of viewing porn. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, if we can normalize it, then people won't have to be speaking in the shadows or stealing it, quote unquote, you know, by through abuse and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. It, it would just be normal. And we can just touch, just yeah. like eating. Eating is, you know, like, where do you eat? Oh, I love, I love burgers. Okay. This is a great spot for burgers. Like, wouldn't it be great if like, I love getting my dick sucked. Oh, well, this is a great place you can be. Yeah. <laughs> And it's legal and it's safe, and you know, and right, everyone legal is consenting. Exactly. And everyone's consenting, and consent is so it's, sexy, you know, like exactly, ugh. exactly. There's another thing I wanted to tag back to that's that's really important, and and um, I relate to it too because I've also had trauma and abuse in my life, and even without trauma and abuse, just living in most societies today is 
traumatic and abusive, especially related to sex and sexuality. Then you couple that with being violated by someone who you trusted or even someone who you didn't trust, but just being violated at all. Whether you've been abused or not, I think a lot of what we've been taught has influenced our choices and like how Mm -hmm. we behave. And so I think it's important to just note that and to be aware and continue to be conscious and to get help for it, whether it's therapy or a coach or a teacher or something. So you were, you were mentioning how you realized through therapy and rehab and some of the things like some of the support that you got, that you were making certain choices that were actually not so great for you that weren't healthy for you and that were kind of kind of took you down this crazy dark path but now you have much more empowering choices so I was just curious of like what's an example of some of those bad choices that you used to make that are now better I think the one thing that really sticks out to me that kind of just affected me in all ways was I was partying a lot and now I see I was just hurting so badly inside Mm -hmm. and I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on. And I was completely believe it. I was very dissociative for a very long time. So I was, I felt like I was floating through every day. My memory was awful. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would just, I would just continue to party and Mm -hmm. it was so unhealthy. It was so damaging at the rate that I was going and it kept me from seeking help and realizing that I needed help. Mm-hmm. It kept me really foggy. I, I was not in touch with my body. I was not aware of my surroundings of myself. I put myself in a lot of really dangerous situations mm-hmm. uh, with strangers, getting in random people's cars. Like I was self-destructive, so mm-hmm. self-destructive. Realizing and, and accepting the fact I needed help. This is not something that I can maintain myself. Yeah, It was something outside of me. It was too much for me. If I could do it myself, I would have done it already. Yeah. You know, nobody wants yeah. to feel sad. Nobody wants to feel depressed. Nobody wants to feel suicidal. It took me to get really, really bad for me to say I, I needed help. Mm-hmm. And in that became a very empowering moment for me because then I seeked it. Mm-hmm. I got it, which I was very blessed to have. I hate the word like blessed, but I was blessed to have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, blessed. And, yeah. <laughs> And ever since then, I know that if I'm, if I'm straying, if I'm, if I'm feeling really depressed and I still get very, very depressed, mm-hmm. I still go through periods. I've had it here since I've been in London where I can't get out of bed yeah. and, you know, and I just want to drink. Yeah. And, and if I do drink, I, I binge drink, mm-hmm. but realizing like, Hey, I need to take a step back. What do I need? What do I need right now? Because I know I'm very easy. I can go down a very awful path. And do you and, find that it's e- easier for you now to ask for help and to kind of notice and like seek the help that you need in whatever form, right? But just like notice like, ooh, this could get bad. Let me. Yeah. Let me well, yeah. The, the thing about getting help was I learned, you know, the concept of like coping mechanisms. And then I also mm-hmm. kind of learned how, and this took me a long time, like the, during all the years of rehab I went to learning like my, my patterns. So mm-hmm. now I notice like, what are my patterns to getting depressed? Mm-hmm. And so now I know if I do this one thing, if I drink all weekend, mm-hmm. let's say I'm, you know, the, the following day, I'm not going to feel so good. 
I'll miss, I'll miss two days of work because my body doesn't feel so good. Mm -hmm. And then the third day, I know I'm going to sweat everything out. So I don't want to go to work because I'm going to feel gross. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I get depressed because I've missed so many days of work, you know? So now it's, it's finding and realize, being very honest with myself, which is really hard to do yeah. to be yeah. like, Hey, I'm fucking up. <laughs> but also being very, now being kind with myself, like, okay, maybe this week I fell back into that pattern, but maybe I'll keep it in the front of my head and yeah. next week I'll do better. Yeah. You know? And so that just, that comes with a lot of, practice and a lot of time a lot of practice and self-love I mean that's the self-love there it's yeah exactly what I what I'm hearing that what I'm hearing too is like you're not expecting yourself to be perfect yeah or like I'm healed yay yeah (laughs) which I think is the biggest lie that a lot of people tell themselves and then that kind of creates the cycle of like you're shaming yourself enough for not being perfect and and round and around you go even like you know, I've gone through therapy and I'm in this great place. Even like I'm married, I have a wonderful husband. And even he told me one day, like, Hey, it's okay. Like be easy on yourself. Mm. You don't have, you don't have to, you know, go to the gym, make food, clean the entire house, do this, do this and that. Like, just be kind with yourself. It's you can do it this week, you know, just be kinder and softer with yourself. And, you know, even though I, I'm in this great place, like it even, took someone else to tell me like, Hey, it's okay. You know, I asked him for help and that's what he told me. Right. So yeah, that kind of comes around in a little cycle. Yeah. We can't live this life alone. We, we need help sometimes. Yeah. I think the main, one of the main things that I'm hearing from just this whole conversation as we kind of start to, to wrap it up is, you know, it's a journey and you're going to go up and down and up and down and whether or not, to those of you listening, relate to the highs and lows specifically. I think we're all on our journeys of highs and lows, right? I definitely had everything that you're sharing about boundaries and trauma and not being able to say no. I mean, it's it's very, very similar to, to me. Like, I think I would say my early 20s too. If I look back at photos, I'm like, whoa, that's a shell of a woman. Like, she's <laughs> just like, but it was, you know, and, and here's the thing, like, Unfortunately, that shit is normalized. That partying, yeah. that kind of alcoholic drug, recreational drugs, like, like excessive use of all of that is so normalized that no one could have pictured it. But now after going through therapy and all of my personal growth and with my coaches and my healers, you know, I can look at it and be like, whoa, like, why didn't anyone stop me? <laughs> like, yeah. where, were, where were people at? Like, you let me go down this road. And here's the thing, yeah. like women, we're so strong, we're so high functioning that it's, it's kind of hard to, to pinpoint sometimes. And I think I'm just glad that, you know, we have, we, like we have people, like we have each other, like you and I have each other, but essentially mm-hmm. women who think and believe and are empowered or seeking to be more empowered the way that you and I are, it cultivates more of that. So I'm yeah. just grateful for that. Um, and I know that there were some resources, you know, cause you've gotten a lot of help along the way, but also a lot of things online. Mm-hmm. What are some resources that anyone listening can kind of look into to start this healthier journey towards empowered sex? So starting off with like porn. Yep. <laughs> Most porn, you know, male directors, mm-hmm. um, it's very geared towards men and like, you know, kind of intense. And, you know, some women like that, and that's fine. But I have found 
through social media, this really amazing female porn producer. Her name is Erica Lust. E-R-I-K-A-L-U-S-T. Erica Lust. If you just go to ericalust.com, she is an incredible erotic film director and she makes like aesthetically pleasing, gorgeous, like consensual like you feel it's a safe space when they make it mm -hmm. uh, porn it's really beautiful just everything she has to say is gorgeous so if you want to look into that you can and yeah, then you can also follow her on instagram i follow her yes. and it's very empowering she helped me realize things about like senior sex like yeah our oh, culture yeah. makes it yeah. so gross but it's like why should it be gross like we should yeah. analyze that too so yeah that's a yeah. good thank you yeah and then um a couple of years ago, I found this website called omgyes.com. Mm -hmm. And it's an incredible resource platform. And what they do is the, their whole concept is we've learned so much about the male pleasure, their orgasms, what you do to give a man an orgasm, blah, blah. blah. But like sex ed classes or anything, you never hear anything about female orgasm, female pleasure. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't see that in porn really at mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. And so it's an incredible website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I have a girlfriend that's a porn star and she tells me like, all that stuff is fake right? mm. <laughs> in, the, in the background. But so what they did is they researched um, over like 2000 women and they asked them like, what were their personal techniques on masturbation? Mm -hmm. And so they asked all these women and they came up with these like five or six techniques and there's these videos of the women explaining their technique with like an instructional video and it's it's not like pervy it's really educational and kind of warm and you don't feel like gross watching it yeah so that's just really great if like masturbation is a new thing or you and your partner want to learn more or whatever it is it's just a really great resource and it's really beautifully done mm. the last one is an instagram account it's a she's a sex educator um, and she owns a sex a uh, toy online store. Mm -hmm. It's at Thongoria. So T-H-O-N-G-R-I-A. And mm -hmm. she's just a really wonderful. She's really funny. She makes sex like humorous. So it kind of takes this like embarrassingness mm -hmm. out of it. Like she's helped challenge me in some like embarrassing things that I've thought about sex and really normalized it. Like, hey, queefing is totally a part of sex. Like it happens. <laughs> you yeah. know, like just, just, she has a really playful uh, approach to sex. Oh, I but think super I've seen some of the stuff you've shared of hers, and it's I yeah. was, like in love with it. Yeah, she talks about like squirting and and certain toys that are healthy for you and different options and things that are good for both partners or all partners or whatever it is. So, those are like some of my key resources that I always talk to women about when we talk about sex. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. That's so mm -hmm. helpful, and it reminds me of something I wanted to say about it, like. You know, they, I remember you said you, you didn't have sex ed when you were young, huh? They didn't have no. it because it was mm -mm. very Mormon. Well, I, we had sex ed when I was growing up, but it was very mechanical. Like, it's very much like the penis goes in here and it ejaculates and it fertilizes the egg. Like, it's very mechanical. And I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls of quote unquote sex education. Like, you can't just teach the mechanics of it. Like you have to teach the emotion. You have to teach both sides of it or all sides of it, all mm -hmm. possibilities. And you also have to cultivate a safe environment for exploration. Yeah. And we just don't, we do none of those things. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's, it's so great to hear that 
there are resources. Those three are a really great place to start. We actually talked about it on another episode with um, Rosalind about self-love and identity and how just talking about self-pleasure and what we discovered about our bodies when we were little. And it's so not normalized and we need more resources like this that normalize it. It's just so healing to talk yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and to make it totally normal. We talked about a lot today. Yeah, it was and great. It yeah, was this really, was a great conversation. Yeah, I had so much fun. What's a great next step people can take towards their healing, their sexual healing or their sexual empowerment? A big thing would be just like being aware of mm-hmm. whatever decision it is that you make, whether it's being active or trying something new or you know, having multiple partners or whatever it is, just be aware of where you are mentally. Like if, are you like one thing I noticed that was the difference is me acting out sexually when I'm not in a good, in a good mental space Mm. was damaging for me. But when I'm in a, in a healthy place and I'm aware I'm in my body, I know what I want to do. I know my boundaries, then it's safe and it's fun. Yeah. And that's rewarding. Yeah. And so there's just being self-aware, like just like a little check-in before you do something like, Hey, am I in a good space right now? Yeah. Like, you know, do, do I, really, do, what, do, what do I want to do right now? What, what mm-hmm. is it that I'm going to engage in? Is this person somebody I feel safe with? Mm-hmm. You know, just give yourself a little check-in. I think that would have saved me from just knowing that being practicing that would have saved me a lot of bad situations, yeah. you know? Not only being aware of your mental health or your, your, even your emotional health, but just starting to be hyper aware of like what you really want and where you're yeah. coming from. Yeah. Right? Like, am I, am I having sex or, do, or am I active in this way because I was mm-hmm. like hypersexualized and I think that this is, this is my only way to self-worth? Mm-hmm. Or, or am I not being active just because some religion told me, but I actually... Mm-hmm. I'm pretty horny and I want to explore, you know, like what, exactly. whatever it is, it's like more like just be aware of where you're coming from. Thank you so much, Esme, for being here. Oh, thank you so much. I, this was a really great experience for me. And You're welcome. Thank you. And to those of you listening, thank you so much. This has been Courageous Self-Love and I'm your host, Amelia Fortes, and we are out for now. Hey, if you're loving the show, make sure you become a patron. For as little as $2 a month, you can get episodes where you can't get anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash the Amelia Fortes. I'm doing mad.